It is the Colby Daniels Podcast on a Tuesday morning, which means Eric G is with me. Eric, what is happening, my friend? Man, I am all jacked up on uh, Mountain Dew today. Actually, no, it's coffee. Uh, (laughs) If I was all jacked up on Mountain Dew, that's like the least energetic way to tell you I'm all jacked up on Mountain Dew. Uh, No, I'm jacked up on coffee today as much as I possibly can for not sleeping last night. And am thrilled about the fact that we are into our first week of preseason NFL games. And I'll just add to this real quick, uh, because it is the Colby Daniels podcast. I would have lost the bet, a big time bet with my wife's money, thinking that the Hall of Fame game would have outdone the Olympics in ratings. And it actually did not. The Olympics beat the Hall of Fame game in ratings. And I was surprised. Wow. But as much as football dominates the landscape of American sports watching and especially the NFL, even though it is preseason, I thought there is no way people are going to, more people will watch the Olympics over this. And they did. I can't remember the exact number, but I saw it last night um, in reading an article about the Olympics ratings drop and went, ha ha, here we go. Here we go. And it's like, Oh wow. Really? The Cowboys and the Steelers, you know, two of the most storied franchises in the history of the NFL, two of the biggest fan bases in the NFL, in the Olympics, still outgrew them. I don't even know what to say about that. I just, I don't, other than either people weren't ready for football or they knew no one of significance was going to play, so they just decided to tune out. Which I say to that, hey, you still had a lot of Hall of Famers. There was a great moment between Jerry and Jimmy. You should have been watching anyway because it's football and it's your duty as an American to watch football. <laughs> but I guess I guess the Olympics went out. That's shocking to me because the overall numbers from the Olympics have been down pretty significantly. And I hadn't heard the numbers from last Thursday night, but I, I've read multiple articles over the last two weeks uh, discussing, you know, why the, the Olympic numbers are down so much and, Look, I think the number one thing is there's a battle for people's, you know, entertainment dollar at this point. Like, there are so many options out there that, uh, you know, people aren't reliant on all of the, you know, traditional things that they've watched in the past. So it's just not a guarantee with anything, even the things that are at the very top, that you're just going to automatically have consistent numbers because people are spread out everywhere uh, at this point. And, um, I, I love the Olympics. Like it's, I, I've watched almost every night for the last two weeks and you know, the hall of fame game. I certainly watched that, but look in the fourth quarter of that game, uh, I, I had television number two going because April Ross was playing in that gold medal game or gold medal match, whatever you call it in beach volleyball. And, uh, in the fourth quarter, my, my attention was absolutely split between two television screens, watching the fourth quarter of the hall of fame game and April Ross trying win a gold medal. So uh, I totally get wow. caught up in uh, in the Olympics. Really? Yeah, for sure. I love it, dude. That, and- that is, well, that's, it's kind of good to hear because I am just the opposite on you. Like, I am I'm completely out on the Olympics. Like, there is nothing in the Olympics that really interests me anymore. Um, outside of the quarter mile, which I have no idea who won the gold medal, um, the 800, I have no idea who won the gold medal there. So really how interested am I? And then I'm pseudo kind of interested in men's basketball, but I'm having a harder and harder time rooting for the American team because with as global as the NBA has become, there are players like Luka Doncic is playing for, uh, for, uh, who is it? Uh, not a lot of the, who, who does Luka play for? Damn it. Slovenia. <laughs> yes, Lithuania. I like him better than a lot of guys on the American team. And it's like, what, am I just going to blindly just, you know, root for the USA because it's USA when one of my favorite players is actually playing for another country? That's just, it's weird. Why don't you just move and, over you know, there, Eric? <laughs> <laughs> I guarantee you there's a lot of Oklahoma City Center fans who are not rooting for America because they didn't want to see Kevin Durant be Kevin Durant. That I guarantee I, I, I know that, that to be a fact because my Twitter timeline was full of people rooting against 
Kevin Durant in the gold medal game. So, yeah. You know, it reminds me of a um, of an organization one of my fraternity brothers and I started uh, during the World Cup of 19, what was it, 1994. Um, we called it Americans Against America. Our job, we felt, was to eradicate soccer uh, from America because we <laughs> felt it was a communist plot. So we would root against the Americans in any competition they played in soccer, hoping that they would lose, hoping that interest would wane, and we would not live under uh, co- under communist rule uh, where soccer was everything and football no longer existed. And I may have to start that now for Olympic basketball. That's hilarious. With, you know, o- Oklahomans against America. Uh, <laughs> when he started, you know, um, Oklahomans against America. Bay Area citizens against America. Against America. Yeah. We're all mad at Kevin Durant. Portlandiers against America. Once, you know, once we see Dane go over to another team. It's just, it, that part of it's weird. It's like, man, I, you know, I like O'Bear. I like Nick Batum. I like Joe Ingles and, you know, Patty Mills. It's like, man, I like these guys better than who we have on our team, say for maybe Draymond. And uh, why are we, you know, <laughs> why am I, why am I rooting for them? Why am I rooting for them based on just the colors they wear? I also think my father uh, has a theory. He thinks that the Olympics are hurt because you don't have, the Soviet Union anymore. And you don't have the big bad guy that Americans that you just, you had to beat. I mean, like who is our mortal enemy now in the Olympics? Yeah. You need a, like the whole like conversation about needing a rival to overcome. Yeah. And there's, there's, I mean, who, who was America overcoming China? I mean, is that, I I mean, mean, China led the, led the gold medal count to, I mean, literally to like the last two days or something like that. Yeah, but what sports do we even go neck and neck with them yeah. in? It's not yeah. gymnastics, which we care about. Um, I don't know. Are they any good at men's gymnastics? Certainly not basketball. Yeah. Um, track? Do, do, I mean, do we? when's the last time we saw China be a force in track? Uh, I think their 4 by 100 team was pretty good, actually. So <laughs> we've got, like, you know, most of the sports that we care about, they're not even good. <laughs> so it's it's weird, man. And weird is the only way to describe it. It's just I, I am glad you're still into the Olympics, but I I'm out. I'm out, and it feels like pulling teeth to to try and watch the Olympics now because I think so much of it is about the background story, and it's so catered towards women, and it's like you know we're not going to talk about it on the show. So there's football, there's basketball going on, there's you know. Um, MLB that we can dab into. I mean, heck, even golf, which I don't think should ever be talked about on any sports talk radio station, ever, anywhere, any show, it's probably still more important to our listener than than really the Olympics is. Yeah, I, dude, I, I love the swimming. I, I think that's the main thing. Like, for me, as far as all the Olympic stuff, the swimming for me is first and foremost, it's by far my favorite Olympic sport. And it's it's not only because in nearly every race, I think you have a rooting interest. In nearly every race, there is an American in the finals that has a chance to medal. Uh, you know, obviously, we have people like Caleb Dressel, who won five golds in these games, that are dominant. Katie Ledecky, you know, you go back to Michael Phelps and Ryan Lochte, and, like, there's just so many, like, world-class, the best of the best swimmers from America. So we have a built-in rooting interest with swimming anyway. But I also think, like, Dan Hicks and Rowdy Gaines doing swimming broadcasts, like, they, they are as good as any sports broadcast team in all of sports. Like, they are phenomenal from that standpoint. Are they, as far as play-by-play in the Olympics go, is that the best team in, in, the, Olymp- in, the, in the Olympics? Honestly, I think they, if, if we were going to give an award for just sports broadcast teams, period, I think they're on the final ballot. Like, they're in the conversation to be the best. Who's doing gymnastics now? Because gymnastics, I don't remember who used to do gymnastics, but I always thought they were, I always thought when Bart Connor did it, he was actually really good yeah, I at doing that. color. Yeah, I agree with that. Yeah, no, Bart, Bart Connor does a great job uh, broadcasting gymnastics. Uh, I don't. I, I. I. never saw him involved in 
these Olympic games, and that doesn't mean he wasn't. It just I never saw it. But yeah, Dan Hicks and Rowdy Gaines, dude, are as good as any broadcast team in sports. Why don't you think, with as good as they are and as passionate as they are about it, and with as excited as we get about it every four years, why don't we get more excited about Olympic sports in in non-Olympic years? Why are we so obsessed with just what I would call our normal run-of-the-mill sports that, that we have here in America? You know the the, the stick and ball sports. Why don't you? Why don't we ever get more excited about track, swimming, and, and all those other sports? It's a really good question. I've actually had this debate quite a few times. Um, I think it's just hard to change people's habits first and foremost. And I think there are. I've known people that will watch Olympic sports, and then the Olympics end. And they'll literally say, like, I need to pay more attention to that when it's, you know, happening outside of just the Olympics. And I think, number one, there's an attempt to do that, but you don't have the same access to it. Like, I mean, this is on NBC, right? It's easy to find in primetime, uh, and they, they kind of serve it up to you on a platter, right? They have it all put together, and all you have to do is turn on NBC, which everybody gets, and uh, sit on your couch just after dinner time and, and watch it take place. Whereas, I mean, if you're trying to watch swimming at any point in time, like, where do you find it? Like, it's, it's it, I think it's, number one, the availability isn't there. And then number two, if you don't have major sports networks like ESPN, for example, hyping up the events that are, are taking place between the Olympics, then... I mean, in some way, it, it just kind of feels like maybe there's not a rooting interest there for people. Like the Olympics, it's easy to have a rooting interest because you're cheering for your your country's colors. But like, has there been a swimmer? Even Michael Phelps, it's not like people were paying attention to Michael Phelps. Everything that happened between yeah, you know Olympic games, and that, that's like the greatest Olympian of all time. So there's there's just not a, a focus put on these athletes to make them. I think polarizing enough for people to follow them outside the Olympic games. Yeah. I just I think for whatever reason in America, like if it's Michael Phelps versus, you know, insert random swimmer here, that's at just some open meet and it happens to be on CBS on a Saturday. We're not as interested because we can't bathe ourselves in the American flag or in a team's colors. And that's what we like to do here in America. We like to be, Ranger fans or Yankee fans or, you know, you, you either want to be Cowboys or Washington football team fans or OU, Oklahoma State, whatever it is. Right. And in the Olympics, we can do that. It can be just America versus the world, and we're all cool with that. But when we don't have that option, for some reason, it, it loses the connection. And I think that's why we don't sit down to watch track meets and we don't sit down to watch swimming or – you know, beach volleyball or whatever the case, because it's just, when it's not on that level, then it's just not as big, it's not as big a deal to us. Yeah, I agree. And and look, I think there's also something to this idea, like it's hard for people to get excited about things that aren't the, the peak of a sport. And, you know, like the XFL, for example, or, you know, any of these, professional football leagues that aren't the NFL, like, yeah, there are people that watch, but nobody has the same level of excitement for it because it's not Mm -mm. the mountaintop of the sport. And, you know, I think at a random track meet or at a random swim meet, it's not the peak of the sport. It's not the Olympics. It's not the highest level that you can achieve. And I think there's something to, you know, people wanting to watch it at the highest level combined with the fact that you have a built-in rooting interest, whether you know any of the swimmers or not. Like you, I had never heard of half the the American swimmers that won medals in these Olympics. But guess what? Like I had a rooting interest because they put a flag next to that person's name, and I was like, "Oh, okay." So I'm I'm rooting for lane number four. And then down the stretch, when it's really close, I'm like, "Come on, lane four. You know what I mean? So I, I think there are just so many elements that all like it, it makes sense why it never gains traction outside the Olympics. Uh, because I think it's just a, a perfect storm of elements that are working against it to, to not gain traction. No, that's, that's, 
that's a good that's a good way to put it. And you know, you would go back to the basketball team. You know, think about Kevin Durant and Carmelo Anthony or Dame Lillard or Draymond Green. It might be the one time that you see fans of rival teams actually root for these guys because that American flag is you know is next to their name. So it's like normally I would hate this guy, but he's representing America, so I'll go ahead and root for him because. Uh, you know, America, tr- America trumps all. Yeah. Well, and, and for some people, their team trumps America. I mean, there are Thunder fans that yeah. absolutely refuse to root for Kevin Durant, despite him playing for their team USA, because their Thunder allegiance weighs heavier on their heart than, than their team USA basketball allegiance. Well, and I, and I'm, I'm going to say this and it's, you know, it's going to piss some people off, but I don't think you're necessarily un, you're, you're not unpatriotic if you don't root for America in the Olympics. I mean, this isn't for crying out loud. These athletes aren't serving their country. Are they representing their country? Uh, you know, sometimes I even debate whether or not they're representing their, their country. I think more or less they're, they're representing the American Olympic Committee, or they're representing that particular team, which just happens to have USA stamped across its back. This isn't war. Um, you know, if the Americans don't win a gold medal in basketball, as upset as we are, we're going to forget it in two weeks. I mean, that's just how we are in, in this country. And if you don't like Kevin Durant that much, and don't want to root for them, you're not unpatriotic. You're just loyal to the Thunder, and you still got your heart broken. There's there's nothing wrong with that. And you're not, you know, you might, I guess you might be in the minority, um, but there's a talk show host I know that won't root for Team USA basketball because he doesn't like most of the guys on it. So don't, um, yeah. don't, don't feel bad. I mean, look, I, do, I, th- 15, I do think I that rooted- USA basketball's in a completely different camp than maybe everybody else combined in the Olympics because it's a bunch of guys that are like the richest athletes in the world, and we see them year round. It's you know, it's it's kind of apples to oranges because you know people watch Kevin Durant and Draymond Green and Damian Lillard and like year round. I mean, we, we you know we're, we're all extremely familiar with those guys. We know that all of those guys make boatloads of money. Um, yeah, I, I do think that's probably just a, a completely different argument than, you know, the rest of the Olympic games. So is it bad that, that I, that I rooted for, uh, Katarina Vitt, uh, when I was 15? <laughs> <laughs> well, anybody that, that, saw Katarina Vitt would say no. I mean, unless you're blind, I think that's... Yeah, uh, I mean, like, I'm yeah. sorry, but I, yeah. you know, I... Not that Denise Tom, you know, I'm not going <laughs> to sit here and lie, you know, Denise Thomas was uh, just just as stunning, but, you know, 15 years, like Katarina Vitt, I'm like, I don't care if she's Russian. <laughs> I don't care. Right, right. She can be communist all she wants. I want her to win the goal. Yeah. The only reason I'm watching these games at this point, so... And for me, hockey is even worse than basketball because it's like, oh my god, all the guys I like are on the Canadian. <laughs> oh yeah, like I watch Olympic hockey, and I'm like, this is how people feel about USA basketball. When you watch the Canadian hockey, you're like, holy cow! Like literally, the best player on every team is playing for for Canada. <laughs> yes. Yeah, that uh, I. <laughs> and it's like, oh, I like that guy. Oh, I like. Oh, he plays for the Bruins. Yeah. Oh, he does too. Yeah. Well, um, who's the, who are the Americans playing for? Oh, the Americans have a guy playing for Montreal. Well, screw them. I hate Canadians. <laughs> yeah, Canada. <laughs> Patrick Kane, baby. Team yeah, USA. Oh my god. <laughs> the best player on my favorite team, Eric, is American. So. <laughs> just saying I don't I, honestly I think yeah I think my favorite player <laughs> um on 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 uh on the uh I think my favorite pra- player on the Bruins is in fact Canadian so I'm pretty sure he's Canadian I'd have to look it up I know he's not American so um it's just kind of the way I guess that 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 cookie crumbles we probably don't have time to get into it today, uh, but at some point, 
I, I, I want to have the conversation about whether in today's age of professional sports, being devoted to one team is kind of an outdated way to be a sports fan. Because I think you can yes, make I is. think you can make that argument that it's like it's completely outdated unless you like live in Chicago, you know, like where literally that's what that's what you're consuming as a as a sports fan, like on a daily basis, that's what you're hearing on the radio, that's what you're getting on your television, or you know, any specific area, like in that sense it makes sense. But outside of that, like I, I almost feel like the way that all professional sports and especially like the NBA, the way that it yeah. has evolved, like being a fan of a team, especially if you're not like literally in that market, it just uh, like, why? Okay. I'll, I'll, I'll give you, t- I'll give you a couple of reasons why on this. Let's be pragmatic about it. I think one, I think the NBA, you're absolutely right. Being a fan of one particular team doesn't really work. And, and there aren't, I don't know any NBA fans, even like Thunder fans, who don't have a, in air quotes, a secondary team that they root for just because there's players on that team that they like or it's another small market club. Like, I, like for, for most Thunder fans, I knew it was like they were like, they had like Milwaukee or they like the Pelicans or there was somebody else they rooted for. Maybe this year was the Wizards because they had Russ and, that all made sense. When it comes to the NFL and Major League Baseball, you're talking more players. And especially in the NFL, where there's so much movement, it pays to be a fan, a diehard fan of one team at the most, maybe follow two, because I, with so much movement, it's very hard to keep up with. So if you just focus your energy on one or two teams in those sports, baseball and football, it's a more satisfying experience because you know the players going out, you know the players coming in, and to try and keep up with all the movement that goes on around the league gets to be a little taxing. And especially during this you know, Major League Baseball trading deadline, to try and keep up with all the Cubs and national players that ended up on every, you know, on, on all right. these different teams in Major League Baseball. To me, that was a headache. It's like, all right, just tell me who's coming into the Yankees. You know, that that's just 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 tell me who's who's coming into New York and who's leaving New York. And then once they leave New York, I don't really have to worry about them again until they pop up on Sports Center. You know, same with the Patriots and the Cowboys. I follow the Cowboys because they're close, and I've always been a closeted Cowboy fan. And the Patriots are my love. Um, so I'll keep up with them, but like all the movement with Pittsburgh and with Cleveland, you know, if, if it's not concerning Baker Mayfield, if it's not concerning David Collins or Kyler Murray, it's like, I don't really care what goes on with the Cardinals. I don't care yeah. who's coming in and out of the Rams. I know who's playing quarterback. So there, I don't, I, I don't know if being a fan of any particular individuals or trying to just kind of enjoy it overall is a very satisfying experience. Probably why I don't like fantasy sports, um, <laughs> at least in the at least in those two sports, because it's just like it, it in the baseball and in football it takes the enjoyment out. In basketball, I'm already kind of thinking that way. So doing fantasy and basketball, it's like, oh no, this is just this is how I would watch the NBA anyway. So it's fine. And those two sports, it's like, yeah, you know. Nah, I don't really want to root for this guy. Yeah. You know, especially if he's playing against my team. I wish his knee would, you know, I wish he'd blow out his knee, <laughs> um, which, you know, might cost me $500, but I'd rather my team win, I guess. Yeah. No, it's, it's just, it's funny because like you and I grew up in an era of sports where for the most part in all the professional leagues, like if you drafted a player and he was any good, most likely he was going to spend the majority of his career in that city um, teams cores stayed together for long periods of time. There wasn't drastic movement. There wasn't drastic teardowns and complete rebuilds like every other season. Uh, and secondly, the other thing I think that, that is a big part of this equation is we didn't have nearly the same access when you and I were growing up to any sports teams that we do now. And I think it's way at that point, it was just like, I'm a Cowboys fan. I'm rooting for whatever the Cowboys do. 
But like, what happens if, you know, the GM's a giant asshole? What happens if the best player on the team is a giant asshole? You know, in the, it, when we were growing up, you probably were, were unaware of anybody being a, a giant jerk because, again, there just wasn't the same access. Now, like, if your quarterback's a dickhead, like, why do you want to root for that team? You know, like, like Aaron. That's a good point. Uh, when Domingo Herman's on the mound, it's yeah. like, you just, yeah. there's a, there's an uneasy feeling about rooting for that guy or being excited that he's playing. I think it's Cowboy. I, I guarantee you. Well, I say this. I think most Cowboy fans knew during the 70s and 80s how ruthless Tom Landry and Tex Schramm were. Right. Maybe they would have a little different opinion on whether or not they wanted to blindly follow that team. And I think what you're talking about, I think, I think that's the difference. It's, it's not, I, I think the difference now is, is that that you're necessarily just rooting for one team, but I don't think you're blindly loyal to that team anymore where you just say, okay, whatever they want to do is right. And if the player disagrees, he's wrong and just need, and needs to be run out. I don't think it's that way anymore. I think most of us are educated to the point where we see that, hey, it's a business. And the reason that certain guys are on the field, despite being jerks, is because they can help the team win. And I say right now, if I'm a Texans fan, I'm not feeling really good about Deshaun Watson being in camp. That's, that's awful. There's nothing I want less than Deshaun Watson being in camp if I'm a Texans fan. Or if you think the GM treats players bad, I mean, you still, you're loyal to the logo, but not necessarily to the team itself. And I think that's where outlets like Sports Talk Radio and, you know, podcasts, whatever, give you at least somewhat of a voice to express how much you don't like what's going on with your particular team. And I also think there's an interesting conversation about how, how when a team is poorly run, how it affects the community all the way around. Yeah. I, I think there are still a lot of fans that blindly support teams, regardless of what moves they make. They'll justify anything a team does. If that's the team they root for. And uh, I mean, we do that. We see that with uh, OU and OSU all the time. Like there are, there are OU fans that literally defend Thunder, everything Oklahoma does now. Same thing with Oklahoma State. They will defend everything Oklahoma State does. And look, I I, I love seeing people support uh, their their schools and their teams. Like that's that's why you and I do what we do is because there are people that are so passionate about sports that they are willing to defend their their team. I mean, die on the hill, you know. Like, uh, but it's it's funny to me how sometimes like I think some of us can clearly see that like somebody did something wrong, and because it's your team, you're like, nope. That wasn't wrong. That was they, they didn't do anything wrong there. Uh, but yeah, it's I mean it's it's just an interesting thing. And again, like we don't have to spend a, a ton of time on it. Uh, I just think that uh, we're in this age where if there are people that like tell me like I don't have a favorite team, like it makes sense. And and twenty years ago, I would yeah. have said like I don't even understand that. But um, in today's age, like it, it just, I, I think it definitely makes sense for people to not necessarily just blindly support like a brand or a logo. Uh, when you see how often the landscape of any major sport potentially can change with massive big time players being, you know, shipped and free agents and super teams and, um, you know, having the access to somewhat feel like you have a good idea of whether somebody's a good guy or a bad guy. And if your team's full of bad guys, like if you've been, you know, a New York Giants fan forever, and then all of a sudden they hire this coach that's a giant jerk, they sign the biggest jerk quarterback that's in the league, you know, they bring over a guy that's, you know, been accused of rape or something. Like, are you just still rooting for the Giants no matter what? And I, I don't know. It's it's just like, it's. I think it's just a completely different world than the sports world we grew up in to where, like, I think your rooting interest can can look different than it used to. Oh, absolutely it can. Um, I mean, think about what we went through with the whole Joe Nixon thing. And that's what I got flashbacks as you were describing that, how many people defended him and Bob Stoops and Joe Castiglione and the university and the Norma Police Department and that whole 
that is the worst mishandling of any situation, any fiasco that I've ever seen the University of Oklahoma do. I mean, it still astounds me with as airtight as they were about this move to the SEC that they could screw up that Joe Mixon thing as poorly as they did. I mean, there isn't anyone that came out on on the good end of that. Not Joe Mixon, not David Boren, not Castiglione, not Bob Stoops. And yet there were people that were just like blindly like, no, what they did was fine, you know. <laughs> and, and you know, they, they, it wasn't that it was what they did were fine. They weren't blaming the victim on that situation, which was, again, you're thinking, hey, this is the 21st century, aren't we? Aren't we kind of past this blind loyalty? But no, it it, it reared its it reared its ugly head throughout that. But I, I get it, man. I get it when you say, you know, yeah, I was a you know big time New England Patriots fan. But you know, after the the Flake Gate and the Spy Gate, and you know, Bill just being a jerk, I don't want to root for him anymore. Right. Like I have no problem with people doing that. And in right. fact, I actually admire it. I admire it because it shows that Agreed. you have principles and that your principles actually mean more to you than yeah. your favorite team winning some game. And that is, I don't know, that's very refreshing to see when, when fans take that step. Uh, most of my friends, since they're my age, don't have that. And with OU, I mean, my, I think there is a kid, I think an OU running back can shoot somebody on the corner of the street. Um, and they find a way to justify why why that guy needed to be shot. Um, but yeah. <laughs> like, like, wait a second. But I, I love it when fans. I love it when fans turn their back on their team because they know in the moment rooting for them isn't the right isn't the right thing to do. Yeah, and that you know that's, that's something that should be admired. That's something that should be admired. And I'd like to see more fans take that. And, and like the, at the end of the day, this is all for entertainment, right? And and I think we're also at right. the stage where in today's world there are so many entertainment options. Not even just sports. Like literally, like that you could you can be entertained in so many ways, from sports options to outside of sports options. That like, why do you want to? I, I don't know if 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 there's if my favorite team is doing a bunch of shit that I don't agree with. Like, why am I going to dedicate my precious time to following them and watching them if I don't like what what the product is they're putting out? You know what I mean? Like, it's uh, it, it's, and I'm not saying like if they're losing, stop supporting them. That's that's not my point. But um, I, I think again, just with the competitive entertainment nature that that is out there right now, like everybody is fighting for clicks and eyeballs and views and. You know, to if you're a Dallas Cowboy fan and, you know, again, I'm not saying like the losing part of it, but they, they start making a bunch of decisions that, that you just massively disagree with and it makes it hard to root for them. Like, why are you still letting them dominate your time as far as what you're spending your time watching? So, yeah, I, I, think, like, I, I think it's interesting. I can't, I can't understand why anyone would root for the, for the Raiders anymore outside of the city of Las Vegas. I really honestly can't because they screwed over the city of Oakland, not once, but twice. And those are some loyal freaking fans. Okay. They absolutely screwed them. You know, twice they left, they screwed over Los Angeles and you know, now they've built this Mecca in Las Vegas, okay, I understand. If you live in Las Vegas, be a diehard Raider fan. Anyone else that, that, that's rooting for them, whether you grew up in Oakland or not, or were just a fan of the team living here in Oklahoma, you're rooting for an organization that's proven time and time again. They don't care about you. They certainly didn't care about you know the, two, the first two cities they were in. Why do you think, I mean, why do you persist on, you know, dressing up and wearing the silver and black and putting that shield on your car when you know perfectly good and well that, you know, hey, they'll stab you, they'll, they'll literally stab you in the back and cut your heart out and, yeah. and not care, not care about it at all. Yeah. Not just trade your favorite player. They will move in a heartbeat. So why are, why are we continuing to root for this freaking team? 
Yeah. Like, it, that makes no sense to me whatsoever. Um, I don't, I don't get it, but, you know, Raider fans are just, they're, they're loyal. They're, they're, they're loyal beyond, they're, they're loyal to a fault, and that fault is not good. I was about to say, there's no, like, loyalty should be praised, but just don't be loyal to a fault. Uh, because if you're not yeah. holding your favorite team accountable for the bad decisions, then they're never going to change, right? Like, if, if there's an owner out there right. that can do whatever the hell he wants and it never impacts, like, the amount of people that are watching his product or, you know, he's still getting rich by making bad decisions because everybody's blindly supporting this guy, like, it, it, nothing's going to change. No, you have to vote. And as we always talk about, you have to vote. Like, if you don't like who's in office, you've got to vote, right? <laughs> right you've got to vote in order to get that person out. I mean, or, you know, if you like what's going on, you have to vote to keep that person back in. As a fan, you vote with your dollars and cents. And which your time. is not showing up. Yeah. Yeah. Not showing up, not, you know, not watching on television, not, you know, buying gear and just finding other things to do. And as you go back to what you said, with so many different entertainment options, uh, when you've got Netflix, which is one of the things that seem to kind of eat into the Olympics, the other thing they're the other thing they're kind of pinning the Olympics um, low, lower ratings on is the fact that we've been cooped up for a year and people are just tired of binge watching TV. Period. Yeah. Um, but when you've got other things you can go do other than watch a team that's full of a bunch of bad guys or. Um, instead of supporting an owner who makes bad decisions to, um, you know, rips off the fans or, you know, does, does things that you consider to be unethical, then, then do it. You don't have to watch, but I think some people it's just so ingrained for so long. That's what they've done on Sunday. It's what they've done on Saturday that that's what they're going to do. It's like, that's what they're going to do regardless of the situation. Uh, we don't have a lot of time left, so let me let me hit this before we run. Um, I did crashing the boards on KOCO Sunday night, and I was asked an interesting question. Um, so I want to get your take on: Is Oklahoma getting overhyped going into this football season? No, absolutely not. I don't think uh, so either. For That's, a couple reasons. Yeah, I, I'm I'm with you for for a couple of reasons. Uh, one. I would say running back wise, since he has been head coach, head coach, this is probably the best running back stable that Lincoln Riley's had. Unless, and, and I can't remember, Colby, like, I honestly can't remember. Were Mixon and Pirine there when he was head coach? Because if so, then I'll, I'll take back that statement. But, but I'm not, I, I feel like I'm kind of getting my timelines crossed. Lincoln's on that first too. year was the Georgia Rose Bowl season, correct? Correct. That they were gone by that point. Okay, so you. But got he did two years ago. Back. He did have Kennedy Brooks, Trey Sermon, and uh, Ramondre Stevenson on the same team. For as good as Ramondre Stevenson is, I feel like Eric Gray is an upgrade, and it seems like Eric Gray may have already inserted himself into that number one running back position. And you've got Kennedy Brooks, and you've got what well, Marcus Major, I think, is still there. Can't remember again. I'm trying to remember who got kicked off the team. Um, I think receiving core wise, even though he Seth they McGowan work, got kicked um, off. Yeah, it was McGowan. Yeah. Okay, so receiving wise, you've got Mar- you've got Marvin Mims, whom I think is going to be an absolute stud this year for Oklahoma. You've got Austin Sogner coming back from injury, and I think he's going to be you know like every other tight end that comes from Oklahoma. You know he's going to be real good. Defensively, they seem to be in much better shape. But the biggest reason OU is not being overhyped this year is because they've got one of the worst schedules in college football. And most of the teams that they face this year save for Iowa State. And depending on how good OSU is going into that game in Stillwater, OU is going to be anywhere from a touchdown to two touchdown favorites in Every single game. I mean, maybe Texas. I would, depending on how good Texas is, OU could be anywhere from a seven to ten point favorite in that game. I can't think they'd be any less than five. Yeah. If Texas just got off to a great start, but we're talking about Western Carolina, Tulane, and Nebraska to start. 
Oh, he was going to absolutely destroy all three of those teams before they get into conference play. No one. I mean, I would like to know the. I don't think there's a football mind in America that knows what to expect of Baylor. Iowa State is not going to be able to handle the target that's on their back and everybody trying to keep them from getting back into the Big 12 championship. You have no good read on Texas. Heck, Texas doesn't even know who their quarterback is going to be right now. You've got an Oklahoma State team, which is going to be better than what they were last year because they're flying under the radar, and that's when they succeed. And I think Oklahoma State actually got addition by subtraction with the loss of Chuba Hubbard, whom, when you talk to people inside that program, said was a major distraction last year. Um, but I, but they're, they're not in Oklahoma's class. So go through. I mean, who in the Big 12 is going to beat them? Kansas State? Yes, I'm Kansas State beat them twice. I mean, Kansas State beat them twice, but Kansas State should not be on the same field with OU this year. And if Kansas State does beat them, then you've got to ask some serious questions about Lincoln Riley's prep for that game. So, no, OU is not being overvalued because they have the talent that got, incre- I don't want to say incredibly easy, but for them, an incredibly easy schedule to go along with the most talent in the conference. And on paper, there isn't anybody that you could put in the top four that Oklahoma shouldn't be able to compete with. Um, I mean, this is it. I mean, and, and if Lincoln Riley doesn't at least win a playoff game this year, then Joe Castiglione needs to have serious questions about whether or not this is the guy to move forward with as OU goes into the SEC. Now you have to start asking, asking can he truly win at the highest level if he does not win a playoff game this year Ooh, scorching take man scorching take i i mean am i am i wrong am i wrong i mean if you're if you're moving into the toughest conference in america where there aren't where, where kansas does not exist outside of nashville tennessee and vanderbilt and you're moving up a level in competition. Even though Oklahoma is going to be, I think Oklahoma's going to be in much better shape than obviously your Ole Miss, your Arkansas, your Mississippi State. And they're going to be equal, at worst equal, with Florida, Alabama, Georgia, um, schools like that. If you can't, even if you're equal with those teams, but you're not winning those games, that's not good enough in Oklahoma. I mean, my co-host, like I said, oh, I said one of the reasons OU was moving into the SEC is because they could go nine and three and still make the playoffs. And fans are going to get to a point where they don't really care about the conference championship as long as they make a run in the playoffs because we're hitting towards an NFL model. My co-host, Pat Jones, said that'll get you fired at Oklahoma if you go nine and three. And if he's right, the Oklahoma standard isn't to go to the SEC and lose to Alabama and LSU, it's the beat Alabama and LSU. And if your coach can't get that done, then you really don't have a choice but to question him and let him go. You need to figure out what's going wrong and correct it or correct it by putting someone else in there who can get it done. Um, I'm, I'm interested to see where OU fans are, are with Lincoln Riley after this season yeah and if OU doesn't win a playoff game this year I think you're going to have a lot of OU fans who take the crimson colored glasses off of Lincoln Riley and start to kind of wonder all right now we're moving into this next (laughs) phase is he is he closer to saving or is he closer to you know I'm trying to think of you know trying to think of somebody who was always good but but underachieved Mark Richt at that point yeah, is he closer to Saban or Mark Rick? I think you will have OU fans ask that question. Yeah, I like the problem is in football, like anything can happen in one game, right? Like Boise State can upset right. Oklahoma on one particular Saturday. So Appy State can beat Michigan. So like pinning the entire future of a football program on one game to me feels a little bit excessive. Now I think where you have to kind of break that down is does Oklahoma, if Oklahoma, let's say the draws Alabama and Oklahoma plays Alabama in the semifinal and it's a great game. And you know what? Alabama gets one more bounce and they win the game. Like I, I don't think for me, that's one of those situations where I'm like Lincoln Riley didn't win a playoff game. It's time to make a change. 
I would say this, but though. What if, it's a, if, what if it's a convincing 10 to 14 points? That's what I was about to Alabama. say. Last year, I think we kind of, I'm in this camp. Last year proved that Oklahoma stylistically looks like they can play on the same field as the elite teams in college football. If once again, Oklahoma gets to that stage and shows that they're not on the same tier and that, you know, whether it's Alabama or LSU or whoever is clearly in another class and clearly, you know, once again, like defensively in a whole nother level, physically in a whole nother level, like if we're still at that point, then I think that becomes a conversation. But just simply win or lose, pinning it on that for me is excessive. I, yeah, and, and that's the thing. And, and I think you, you, you hit the caveat is what kind of game is it? If it's a weird game and it just a fumble or a bad call or whatever, you know, in some sort of controversy, you know, you lose the spine. But if it's a convincing double-digit win and you felt like, oh, you was going to win, and it, then it turns out like the Rose Bowl where, you know, Lincoln took the ball out of, out of Mayfield's hands <laughs> or it was one of those deals where the score looked close but you never felt like oh you was gonna win, then yeah, then I I think you start to see the the, the question marks come out and the blind loyalty yeah. go away. But even then, I think we're still, you know, you always have to have the answer for the question. And if you're saying, well, the question is, is Lincoln Riley the guy to take them forward and get them to that point or not? Like, if the answer is no then who are you giving me right now that is going to beat Nick Saban and Dabo Swinney? Because right now, there's nobody else that's beating them. So, um, you know, it's Lincoln Riley's still a very young head coach. Uh, he's done nothing but have enormous success to this point, and the biggest crime against him is that he's not Nick Saban or Dabo Swinney right now. Well, and I think you make a great point, is, and this is, where, this is why I'm not athletic director. Um, because I would make emotional decisions, <laughs> and you know, Joe Castiglione yeah. is, is is smart is, is smart enough to know when to ride with a guy and when to give him time. And it's and, and like I'll admit, like I'm totally backing myself into a corner here because my favorite organization, in all of sports, even though they are not the team I root for, is the Pittsburgh Steelers, um, because. They believe in the one thing I think is most important, and that is consistency. When you have had three coaches since 1969, and my gosh, I didn't realize Mike Tomlin had already been there 15 years. To me, that serves as the model for which everybody ought to try and emulate. And when you see people not emulate that model, it goes really bad for them. I think Joe Castiglione operates, especially when it comes to that football program, a hell of a, a, a lot more like the Rooney's then he's going to operate like a Jerry Jones. Uh, and, yeah. you know, I would I would dare say, even though I might not feel the same way about Lincoln Riley as he does, he would never let one game, one result, fan reaction, right. sway him from making a decision when he believes in someone. And I, I can see that, look, even if Alabama beats him convincingly, I can see him just saying, look, he's a young guy. I'm For sticking sure. with him because I believe in him. And and that, as a coach, is A, the, the biggest thing in the world you could ever ask for. But B, it's probably better, much better for your program than yeah. some, you know, bonehead talk show host pointing the <laughs> finger at me, yeah. uh, screaming and moaning and, and bitching <laughs> about the spread and it's not real man football. So, you know, give it up to Josie in that. Yeah. To me, we're not even having the conversation right now. And if we get to the point that they're in a semifinal and once again, there's just a massive gap between the best in college football and Oklahoma. And once again, we're talking about Oklahoma physically not being able to match, match up against the best in college football and clearly having major deficiencies. Like at that point, I'm, I'm still not at like, we got to get rid of Lincoln Riley. I'm at the point of like, okay, we can start having conversations about like what's next and what needs to be fit. But like, as of right now, the guy's been a head coach for what, five years. And even yeah, and, and even and then, I mean, if I had the the, the criticisms it, are so marginal at this point, like, and even then, I would say I would probably feel more comfortable versus him being on the hot seat. Just maybe talking about all right, what does he need to right, adjust? Right. 
And I, I mean, the, the biggest thing I would say for, for Lincoln Riley, I wonder how much longer he's going to continue to be the offensive coordinator as well. I am more comfortable with a guy who's the CEO type. And I will say, and I know a lot of people get mad at me for saying this, but I'm just talking about how they run their program, okay? Not necessarily who's better. I like the way Mike Gundy runs his program better than I like the way Lincoln Riley runs his. Because I just prefer a head coach be a CEO and you let, you trust your assistants enough to come up with the game plan and coach the players. And you coach your coaches. I feel more comfortable when a guy is doing that. That's how Nick Saban runs his program. Um, and obviously with Nick Saban, it's, it's been very successful. My, now Mike Leach doesn't, and Mike Leach is never going to do that. I wonder five years from now if Lincoln Riley's still doing that, and that would maybe be my first thing to say, all right, does he still need to be the OC and the head coach as well? Or is there somebody that can do that a little bit better? And are there things about the offense that need to be changed? Does it need to be a little bit more physical? Does it need to be a little bit more pro set? Do you need to go under center a little bit more? More inside run drill at practice? Like, I think all those things are a little bit more valid than maybe, you know, what I said at first, which is just flying off the handle and, you know, get rid of him. Yeah, right. right. Uh, I'll just say this. As a Dallas Cowboy fan, if uh, Oklahoma doesn't want Lincoln Riley – I don't care what happens this year. They could go in twelve. I'm uh I'm saying welcome to the Dallas Cowboys. So, <laughs> just saying, just saying. I I'll, I'll make that trade today. Uh, Jerry would do anything to win a Super Bowl. So, um, you know, be careful what you wish for. <laughs> Eric, always good stuff, my friend. Appreciate it and enjoy the week. Thank you very much, Colby. Podcast is over.